Rocks and Ramble, a podcast that will try to tie together some Earth history, okay, a lot of Earth history, with some type of other historical or cultural fact, idea, or theory. Thanks for giving this podcast a chance, and I hope you will return often. I do not intend for this short discussion to cover the entirety of a subject, but if it intrigues you enough to do your own further research, or at least Google something I talked about, then I have exceeded at least a little. So thanks for spending a few minutes with me, and let's begin. Episode 3, Lucy and the Great Rift Valley with Diamonds. This podcast will attempt to shed light on Lucy, a very special Lucy from Ethiopia and Eastern Africa. Lucy is one of the best known and oldest human ancestors ever discovered and became a household name in the 1970s and 80s. She is often identified, inaccurately by the way, as the missing link between modern humans and our less developed ancestors. Lucy's remains would have most likely uh, remained hidden if it were not for the unique geology of Eastern Africa's Great Rift Valley. This location, which is literally a place where the African plate is ripping itself apart, has exposed millions of years worth of sediments and the remains of one 3.2 million year old lady that became known as Lucy, named after the 1967 song by the Beatles. My personal experience regarding Lucy occurred in 2003 at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History in, you guessed it, Cleveland, Ohio. I was looking for a memorable place to propose to my girlfriend at the time and current wife, so that worked out. I knew the museum had sponsored the expedition that had discovered Lucy, and she had spent a considerable amount of time at the museum being cleaned, reconstructed, and studied before being returned to Ethiopia. I knew that the current display was a cast of the original, but thought to myself, what a memorable place to propose, and for one of the most famous discoveries in paleoanthropology. Well, that's how my geology mind works sometimes. I know, ladies. Sorry, I'm taken. Needless to say, I quickly came to my senses, and with some subtle hints provided by my life mate, decided against proposing at that location, and instead did so at a lighthouse on Lake Erie. Spoiler alert, she obviously said yes. I know. Surprising. This podcast will discuss the Great Rift Valley and its role in the discovery of Lucy. I will then give a brief discussion about the band, the album, and the song responsible for the name. So as we begin, I would ask a favor of you. Picture yourself in a boat on a river, with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly, a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Lucy in the Great Rift Valley with Diamonds First of all, I know, let's get it out of the way. The Great Rift Valley is not known for diamonds. Sorry. Africa is one of the world's largest producers of diamonds, and diamonds are found in portions of East African Rift System, but they seem to be far more common in other parts of the continent, mainly South Africa. But let's face it, Lucy in the Great Rift Valley with quaternary mafic lava flows doesn't sound nearly as catchy, so there's that artistic license, I suppose. So what is a rift valley? When I teach science, I tell my students, regardless of what subject, geology, physical science, chemistry, meteorology, physics, environmental science, whatever, it doesn't matter the subject, 
that you really only have to understand a handful of scientific concepts to make sense of the natural world. One of the big ones is convection. Convection is a thermodynamic property of all matter. It drives many of the everyday processes, uh, not only here on Earth, but also on other planets and stars. When you measure a substance temperature, what you are really measuring is the speed of the molecules that make up that particular substance. As energy is added, usually as heat, but not always, those molecules get faster and faster. And as they do, they spread out and the substance becomes less dense. Less dense, less dense substances float on more dense substances. So these warmer things tend to rise. Think of a boiling pan of water or close your eyes and picture those groovy lava lamps from college or I guess those groovy lava lamps from old movies about college anyway. This convection current of molten rock heated by the core of the earth, becoming less dense, and then rising until it meets the solid outer crust of the earth drives the process of plate tectonics. This movement causes plates of the crust, which can be between 4 miles and 25 miles thick, to move. Sometimes these plates collide with each other, causing mountains, trenches, earthquakes, and volcanoes to form. You know, all the disaster movie stuff? Just think California. In other places, these plates are separating. We call these less exciting places where the plates are separating divergent boundaries. These divergent boundaries are the ones that we're concerned with. Most plates diverge underwater, causing mid-ocean ridges, which are places where molten rock rises to the surface, cools, and produces new crust. When this process occurs on a continent, we call it a rift valley. Imagine the heat from the deep portions of the Earth rising and then becoming trapped underneath the thick continental crust. This heat and rising magma causes the crust to rise and produce a giant bubble. As the tension and the forces continue to rise, it causes the crust bubble to burst. Oftentimes this burst occurs in a shape called a truncated isohedron. Uh, imagine that place on a classic black and white soccer ball uh, where three seams combine and you have a pretty good idea of the shape. Um, oftentimes one of these seams or rifts will fail creating just two rift valleys and one failed valley. East Africa however is very special in that it has three functioning rift valleys forming a triple junction. The Great Rift Valley, where Lucy was found, is one of these rifts, and it separates the majority of Africa, found on the old Nubian Plate, and the Horn of Africa, which is becoming a new one called the Somalian Plate. The other two uh, rift valleys that are part of this triple rift system are the, are the Red Sea, stretching north and west, and the Gulf of Aden, stretching to the east, uh, both of which have already filled with seawater, and they separate the Nubian and Somalian Plates from the Arabian Plate. The location in Ethiopia where these three rift valleys join is called the Afar region and is the location where Lucy was discovered in 1974. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head. Look for the girl with the sun in her eyes and she's gone. Before we talk about Lucy, we have to talk about our own human evolution. And there's no way we can fully discuss this evolution in a 15 minute podcast. But one thing we need to discuss is that image, that one that's in all the old textbooks and you find on t-shirts of a primate turning into another type of primate that stands a little more upright, eventually accumulating with a fully developed Homo sapien at the end of the line. This image was titled The Road to Homo sapien and was published in a 1965 volume of Time Life magazine. It was created by artist Rudolf Zallinger for an article by F. Clark Howell. Howell even cautioned in his article that the image was misleading. This is not how evolution occurs in any organism, much less humans. 
to understand our human ancestors is important to realize that our evolution is not linear. One does not become another species. Different organisms breed, they share genes, and differentiate based on environmental pressures. Some versions are successful and pass on their genes and characteristics, and some are not successful and do not pass on their genes. We really should come up with a term for when the fittest organisms survive. Uh, well, we'll think about it for next time. It's important to note that we are not the only successful version of primates on the planet. And for much of our own history, we've not even been the only version of humans. Fossil evidence shows us that Homo sapiens, that's you and me, I, I assume, have been around in our general form for about 300,000 years. In that time, we have shared the planet with several other species of hominins. Now, a hominin is a primate that's bipedal and walks upright. Fossil evidence suggests as recently as 29,000 years ago that we shared parts of Europe with Homo neanderthalus, you know Neanderthals, often referred to as cavemen, which seems a little insulting. Neanderthals didn't turn into Homo sapiens. We existed at the same time and at the same locations. As the environment changed and we outcompeted the Neanderthals, they disappeared. It's important to note though that we do possess Neanderthal DNA in our modern genome, so our relationship must not have been all that bad with them. I guess those nights do get fairly cold in Europe. <laughs> so, Lucy. Lucy was found in the Afar region of Ethiopia by an expedition led by Dr. Donald Johansson of the Cleveland Museum of Natural History and his graduate student, Tom Gray. The story goes that on November 24, 1974, the two men were exploring a gully near the Awash River and Johansson observed an arm bone laying on the surface. Other bones were scattered around, and the rest of the field team excavated the site over the next few weeks, finding several hundred bone fragments and ultimately completing 40% of Lucy's skeleton. Lucy would have been about three and a half feet tall, 64 pounds, and looked chimpanzee-like with a small brain and was determined to be a female based on one complete pelvic bone that was discovered. What made Lucy special was that the alignment of her pelvis and her leg bones was very similar to modern humans, which placed her in the same hominid group as we are, bipedal upright walkers the earliest discovered at the time. The name Lucy, of course, came from the fact that the camp was playing the 1967 Beatles song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds at the field camp while they worked on the samples. Lucy's scientific name is Australopithecus afarensis, and her remains are from around 3.2 million years ago. Lucy represents an intermediate version of our family tree, a representative of several different types of hominins that were adapting to environmental changes that had reduced the forested lands in East Africa at the time, forcing them to walk more. Not truly in our genus of Homo, but a step, bipedally and upright of course, in our direction. After her reconstruction and study in Cleveland, she was returned to Ethiopia and is considered a national treasure in her homeland. When she was discovered, she was the oldest and most complete hominin skeleton ever found. In Ethiopia, Lucy is called Den Kanesh, you are marvelous. In the Afar region where she was discovered, she is rightfully referred to as Helamali, which means she is special. I would agree with both of those translations. Follow her down to a bridge by a fountain where rocking horse people eat marshmallow pies. Everyone smiles as you drift past the flowers that grow so incredibly high.
The Beatles. To start, let me say, it's wonderful to be here. It's certainly a thrill. You're such a lovely audience. I'd love to take you home with um, me, I guess. Full disclosure, I am not a huge Beatles fan. The band, that is. I love members of the insect order Coleoptera. Uh, that's the group of insects Beatles belong to. Sorry, I'm, I'm sure you already knew that. So I don't know if I'm really the one to give an in-depth review of the band and their work. I do, however, appreciate what they did for mainstream music and what they started as and what they became. Honestly, I don't often listen to the Beatles, but when I do, I choose the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band album to listen to. This is also the album that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds appears on, so lucky us. Most people know about the Beatles, and entire books, movies, documentaries, podcasts, and websites are devoted to them, so I'm not going to go into great detail, but I do think they deserve to have at least an overview of them. In short, the Beatles were a British rock band that started in Liverpool in 1960. The core of the band originated in the late 1950s and were known as the Quarrymen. The Quarrymen were founded by John Lennon in 1956 and named after Quarrybank High School for Boys, which John attended. In 1957, Paul McCartney joined the Quarrymen, and George Harrison joined in 1958, forming the heart of what would become the Beatles. In 1960, Lennon and Stuart Sutcliffe, the bass player at the time, changed the name to the Beatles as an homage to Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Shortly after this change, Sutcliffe left the band to pursue his painting career. Sutcliffe later died in 1962 from what they believe was a brain hemorrhage that was possibly caused um, by an altercation after a concert in 1961. Pete Best, who was the drummer at the time, was fired as the drummer for not being good enough, which kind of makes me sad for him, in 1962, and Ringo Starr was hired. And with that, the lineup that would go on to be the most popular and successful band in history was set. Uh, by the way, Ringo's original name, or his real name, I guess, is Richard Starkey. So I think going with that stage name was it was a good good move. The Beatles went on to produce 13 albums from 1962 to 1970 when the band split. They also produced five movies and many singles during these very prolific eight years. Near the end of 1966, the band retired from touring due to fears over their safety, declining ticket sales, and protests in the United States, which were related to Lennon's comments that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. And George Harrison also threatened to leave the band if they continued to tour. Uh, Brian Epstein, who was their manager, assured Harrison and the other band members that there would be no more tours, and the band began focusing on more complicated and technically complex studio albums. One of the results of this new direction was the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. After returning from a three-month break, where the members pursued personal interests, including spiritual pursuits by Harrison in India, Lennon met his future wife Yoko Ono, uh, cue the Imperial March music from Star Wars, and Ringo spent time with his family, and McCartney traveled and produced music. Upon returning to Abbey Road Recording Studios, the members brought their new ideas and influences with them. The band experimented with new instruments, technology, taping techniques, subject matter, and something else. What was it they were experimenting with? Oh, that's right, LSD. They turned the studios into an experience with lava lamps, tapestries, lights, and they invited people to attend their recordings. The album itself is praised as one of the first progressive rock albums and sounds more like a modern-day rock album than anything recorded before. The ideas and techniques developed and used on this album are now commonplace in music of all types. The album itself was a critical success, 
It spent 15 weeks in the top of the LP album charts in the United States and was the best-selling album of the 1960s in the United Kingdom. Even the cover of the album was a successful expression of art with the images of 57 people who had influenced the culture of the Beatles. Uh, individuals like actress Marilyn Monroe and the author Aldous Huxley uh, graced the album's cover, among many others. Newspaper taxis appear on the shore, waiting to take you away. Climb in the back with your head in the clouds, and you're gone. The song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is the third song on the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album, and it was recorded March 1st, 1967 at Abbey Road Studios in London. The song was primarily written by John Lennon with help from Paul McCartney. Lennon stated that the inspiration of the song came from his son, Julian, who brought home a picture he had drawn in school one day. The picture was of his friend, Lucy O'Donnell, and she was flying around with the stars in the background. Lennon asked his son about it, and Julian responded, It's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Lennon immediately began writing the song about Lucy and her adventures. Lennon claimed to have been inspired partially by Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland stories as well, and wrote the story in the same nonsensical fashion. Later, people began to believe that the song was a sly reference to the hallucinogenic drug LSD due to the first letter, letter of the title literally spelling LSD. You know, Lucy, Sky, Diamonds. Way to break that code, guys. But Lennon denied it every time he was asked. Paul McCartney, however, said years later that it was pretty obvious that the song was a drug reference. So maybe they had two different views when they wrote the song. I don't know. Either way, the song definitely triggers some pretty wild imagery and seems to be a pretty strong anthem for the 1967 Summer of Love. The song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is what inspired this podcast for me from the very beginning. I love the cultural reference and how it tied in with the paleoanthropology of Lucy's discovery. I've worked in science classrooms, field stations, geological dig sites, and labs my entire adult life, and what people sometimes don't realize is how much fun and challenging the process of learning and discovering can be. I love the image of these dusty people from all kinds of different countries working together in the harsh Ethiopian climate at the bottom of a rift valley, sharing their experiences, working together, and ultimately complaining about the conditions like we all have done. All this while the song with its nonsense lyrics plays in the background. Lucy's tie to this song, which was created by one of the the world's most beloved bands in history, somehow makes her a real person not just 40% of a 3.2 million year old fossil. A name is a powerful thing. It forces you to humanize, or in this case, at least homininize things. And I believe it's why Lucy has stayed in our cultural conscience even after older skeletons have been found since her discovery. I hope you have enjoyed the show. I'm sorry, but it's time to go. And I'll leave you with the last verse from the song. Picture yourself on a train in a station with plasticine porters with looking glass ties. Suddenly someone is there at the turnstile, the girl with kaleidoscope eyes.
before I give this week's um, sources, which there are a bunch of them, I just want to say it takes about two weeks for me to uh, come up with the idea for a podcast, to do the research, write it, and then record it. And so in that time, I've been listening to a lot of the Beatles. I looked at my Spotify playlist the other day, and there was a ton of songs on there that I didn't even realize the Beatles played. So I've had to reevaluate my stance, and I, I think I am a fan of the Beatles at this point. Um, I really started to appreciate their music and, and what they had gone through as a band. So with that having been said, um, I'll have to, to reevaluate my feelings on some other bands probably. So here we go. Uh, my sources for this week's episode, Lucy, A Marvelous Specimen, article by Caitlin M. Shreen, uh, The Knowledge Project at nature.com, uh, Geology in, opengeology.org textbook, columbia.edu, uh, news at yale.edu, the, dur- the Journal of Petrology, Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, smithsonianmagazine.com, an article by Brian Handwork, obviously the website thebeatles.com, uh, lyrics.com, americansongwriter.com, and of course general information from Wikipedia. So thanks.